global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pelletta. Move lower on this Wednesday. The Dow, the S&P, NASDAQ all declining as investors await Friday's speech from Fed Chair Janet Yellen. The S&P 500 index down 7 to 21.79, a drop of four-tenths of one percent. NASDAQ is down 28, a drop of six-tenths of one percent. Dow Industrials down 45, a drop of two-tenths of one percent. The 10-year down two thirty seconds at yield 1.55 percent. Gold down $18 the ounce now to 13.24, a drop of 1.3%. And crude oil is down 1.3%, a barrel of uh, West Texas Intermediate actually down 2.8%. Uh, WTI down a dollar 35 now, 46.75. Brent crude is down 1.9%. I'm Charlie Pelleton. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. You're listening to Taking Stock with Kathleen Hayes and Pim Fox on Bloomberg Radio. And up next on Bloomberg Radio, it's Viacom. The gift that keeps on giving could be an entertainment story in and of itself, uh, just the moves at this company. But today, Emma Orr, our corporate finance reporter at Bloomberg News, is going to talk a little bit about a uh, potential $12 billion downgrade. What's going on here, Emma? Hi, Alex. Uh, so with their legal troubles behind them, the next big challenge Viacom is facing is their $12 billion of debt, uh, which is yielding higher than the investment grade rating it currently has, closer to junk levels. Um, they're on negative watch from the ratings agencies. Uh, so they basically are faced with a choice. They have to either accept a downgrade or take uh, some pretty drastic measures like cutting their dividend, um, raising equity financing or potentially the sale of Paramount or a merger with CBS Corp uh, to delever and decrease that debt. So keep satiating those uh, dividend receivers or mm-hmm. kind of figure out some structural changes. What are the kind of pros and cons on either side of this decision here? I mean, it's it's a complicated situation. You know, obviously, the equity holders would love to be receiving those dividends. On the other hand, um, Viacom is paying a, a much higher dividend at 3.8% than the S&P average or than their sister company, CBS. Um, there's also, you know, been talk that if they are to cut that dividend, they'll have more cash to reinvest in their networks, which have been struggling. So, um that would be another perk there. Uh, decreasing that debt level would give them more flexibility in other areas. So uh, in terms of all of this executive turnover that we've seen at mm-hmm. Viacom, uh, ousted CEO uh, Philip Dalmont has proposed a sale of the 49% stake in Paramount. How How is that playing into this whole situation here? You know, that would help them delever. It would decrease that amount of debt, give them more uh, capital. Uh, Delmon thinks that it could raise as much as $4 billion for the company. And that would, in theory, help protect the investment grade rate. Yes, absolutely. If that were to happen, then they would have a lot more flexibility in terms of being able to keep the dividend, other things, um, avoid, you know, having to raise equity. Um, however, controlling shareholders, Sumner and Sherry Redstone, are opposed to that deal. Uh, so it's unclear if that's really even a possibility that's on the table. Um, a lot of that hinges on whether Dalman is able to convince the new board. Now, Emma, Mario Gabelli, who mm-hmm. is a Viacom shareholder, uh, he was speaking on Bloomberg Television on Monday, and he opposes selling the entire studio, correct? That's right, yeah. And so would Philippe Dalman actually profit personally by this sale? 
I don't believe so. Okay, but he has until September the 13th in order to gain the board's approval for a Paramount sale. That's right. And what he's looking to gain approval for is a sale of a partial stake of 49%. The uh, company actually included um, in a recent filing a bylaw saying that he could not pursue a full sale of Paramount. When you look at uh, from your side uh, in the debt world, what are debt investors betting are going to happen here? I mean, the bonds are up a lot this year. Actually, they've performed since the legal uh, settlement, I think the second best of similar rated bonds in terms of total returns. Um, so it seems like investors are betting that they will take the necessary steps to keep that investment grade rating. And that is what I've heard from analysts. Um, it seems in this case that both equity and debt analysts are kind of aligned in what they would like the company to do, which is to take those steps to keep that investment grade rating. Uh, do you think it's going to turn into a Ben-Hur mo- remake? <laughs> that's a Paramount movie, isn't it? It is. It that, is, and it's, it's not a Paramount doing flop. so well. Yeah, the yeah. estimates are that it could well, lose that's... about $100 million at the box office. Yeah, the, none of their films in the past year have been doing so well. Paramount has really kind of been a money-sucking operation in the past year. Um, I think people are hoping, you know, that with a good film or two, that could turn around. But it has not contributed to profit or to you. Which seems like an issue if if it's a money-sucking organization. And to retire this debt, if Viacom were to take that option, they basically have little cash left to do anything else, according to RBC Capital analysts. So it seems like they're they're in quite the spot here. Right. Yeah. And a lot hinges on, you know, the decisions that this new board makes. So um, it seems like the company really, you know, is is sort of in a paralyzed state waiting for the board to come in and essentially decide how they want to deal with this debt, if they want to deal with this debt, or if they would rather accept that ratings cut and, you know, continue pursuing things like paying that dividend. Now, the Viacom shareholders are kind of divided because there are multiple classes of stock. Mm -hmm. Uh, Can you tell us what are the multiple classes and do they each receive the same dividend? Uh, they do not. Um, the Class B shareholders are the ones that receive that 3.8% dividend. Right. And this dividend, even if it was cut, what would it save them? About $600 million a year? About $600 million, yeah. Um, and, you know, debt investors, I think, are hoping that money would be used to pay down maturities. Um, they do have enough free cash flow to pay down all of their maturities in the coming 12 months. So um, this would be more of a long-term solution, you know, addressing that debt that comes in, in coming years. And Viacom also has its own governance issues that it's dealing with. Is there any uh, spillover from the fight in the boardroom to the fight over whether these asset sales will take place or a dividend cut will be enacted in order to shore up their debt payment facilities? I don't think there's spillover so much as that the company um, is kind of waiting until – the board decides the next steps they want to take. It seems like they're kind of dependent on the decisions the board makes. So a lot hinges on, you know, the changes that are coming in governance and and how that plays out. I'm just curious, Philippe Dahlman is no longer the uh, president and chief executive of Viacom. Right. Right? Um, Yeah. So why does he have until September the 13th to be involved in any of these decisions? I mean, I I think he was really pushing for that sale. And I think that as part of the legal settlement, he uh, asked that he have that opportunity. Um, It seems that he feels very strongly that that's the right choice the company takes. So they've given him, you know, the chance to to pitch that to the board and to 
hopefully convince right. them. Do we know? Do we know what Sherry uh, Redstone, uh, who is currently mm-hmm. the vice uh, chairman of the uh, of the board, she uh, along with Sumner Redstone does not seem to be on board. Um, they have they have opposed the sale. It's unclear to what extent they fully oppose the actual sale, and to what extent it's that they oppose, you know, Philippe Daman as a, a sort of lame duck CEO making that decision. So, you know, right now I think it's it's in a stage where he's trying to convince the Redstones that this is the right move. And Got I think it. it's anyone's guess how that will play out. Well, we know we're going to turn to you for more details <laughs> when and if it does get resolved. Viacom shares, the B shares down 23 cents right now, $41.47. The shares are basically unchanged so far this year. Let's turn our attention now to the world of politics. I want to bring in Mike Nietzsche. He is our executive editor for Bloomberg Politics. And Mike, uh, the uh, Trump campaign is holding a rally uh, of 15,000 Republican supporters. It'll be held uh, at the uh, in Jacksonville, Mississippi. Mm-hmm. It's taking place tonight, and there's going to be a special guest appearing with Donald Trump. Who is it? Well, that uh, the uh, this is like the greatest rumor of the day. Uh, Nigel Farage, uh, the uh, famous uh, Brexit. Uh, Leader in Britain has said he told the Daily Telegraph in Britain that he would be at the rally speaking uh, on the same platform as Donald Trump. Uh, we haven't been able to confirm that anywhere else today. Uh, we've asked a lot of people, but it, uh, with the new leadership of the Trump campaign taking over, with including Steve Bannon, who is the uh, who is a great supporter of uh, Farage's, um, it seems like it could just happen. What are the, the kind of ideological parallels here between these two characters? <laughs> so, so if you uh, if you remember a few days ago, Donald Trump treated they're gonna they're gonna be calling me Mr. Brexit, right? And it kind of came out of nowhere, and everyone was like, "What is he talking about?" And it's part of it is uh, is this uh, this outsider uh, populist movement of people who uh, who don't like. The, uh, you know, what elites have, uh, set up, including, uh, you know, trade deals that, that they view as unfair and, you know, declining manufacturing jobs, those kinds of things. And, uh, Trump and, uh, Steve Bannon, uh, both see this, see this not only as a movement that happened in, in, uh, Britain, but also in the U.S. and across Europe. I want to thank you very much uh, for telling us, and uh, I guess we'll just have to see what happens uh, if indeed Nigel Farage, uh, the head of the UKIP party, uh, shows up in uh, Jacksonville, Mississippi with uh, those 15,000 Republicans. <laughs> Mike Nitza is uh, executive editor for Bloomberg Politics. You can follow him on Twitter at Mike Nitza. This is Taking Stock. I'm Pim Fox, my co-host, Alex Barinka. Coming up on Taking Stock, we're going to be talking about what to do with your money when it comes to investing in commodities. We're going to talk about Glencore's earnings. They dropped 66%. That's next.